Hey everyone, this is Zach at FF Chalupa Batman. This is the Triple Play Fantasy Beyond the Analyst interview series, episode 15 here. And I'm joined today by our first time, not officially, fantasy football analyst. We have actor and writer Mike Stoyanov. How's it going today, Mike? Pretty good, Zach. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very, very pleased to be here. Awesome. Your opening credits got me super excited. It was like pre-draft <laughs> analysis, rankings, and I'm like, oh, but we're not actually doing that. But it's still... I'm still yeah. excited. <laughs> we're we're going to save that for the rest of the team. Uh, but yeah, like you said, we're, we're going to be talking about getting to know you, going beyond the analyst. Um, so you are, like I said, an actor, writer. You're known for being on Blossom, Billions, The Dark Knight. You wrote for Conan O'Brien, Mr. Show with Bob and David, lots of other stuff. But I brought you on because, let's say you were in Scott Fishbowl last year, I believe, for Scott Fishbowl 11. And you put out a lot of fantasy football takes. I know you don't think you're, of yourself as a true analyst but you love the game um so i want to have you on to get let the audience get to know you a little bit more absolutely and just in point of fact i wasn't actually in the fishbowl but i think we did come i've seen a lot of takes on it and i feel like i've participated and uh, i'm trying to get in this year but uh i wasn't in it but we are we are we are uh acquainted through fantasy twitter for sure God, okay. Well, hopefully he Scott Fishbowl. Like, hey, guy, he's misrepresenting himself as a guy who was in Scott Fishbowl when he wasn't. Like, <laughs> no I don't want to make anyone angry. Out no, there. Yeah, I would say we, we we connected around that time. So yeah, so exactly. Scott Fishbowl twelve is, is the year then. <laughs> I hope. <laughs> well, awesome. I went in. So how long have you been playing fantasy football? Well, I'm a I'm a pretty old guy. So like I definitely I was playing at the at the outset, like in the early nineties. Like I remember like like desperately wanting like Favre or like uh, Emmett Smith or uh, I remember Tuesday morning going and getting a USA Today, which was the best paper to like look at all the stats and make sure. And then having to call call the commissioner and be like, hey, man, uh, Indianapolis had three sacks, not two. And like to make sure the points were right. And uh, uh, yeah, it was wild back then. Like you had to like. You had to be the first guy to call the commissioner to pick up a guy. Like there was no waiver wire. There was, it was just, it was, it was the wild west back then. So and, I can't uh, imagine. I mean, I've heard lots of those stories of the pre-internet of fantasy football or fantasy sports where you're doing everything by pen and paper calling your commission. Yeah, I can't imagine that, but. We would but get remember, a fax. Yeah. <laughs> you get a fax of like the results, like on Wednesday or Thursday. Um, and yeah, there would be like bitter disputes over like who the timestamp on a message to pick a guy up or God forbid the commissioner would want to pick someone up and he's like, Oh, I already picked him up. And you'd be like, Oh yeah, I bet you did. I bet you did. (laughs) It's like, I just, you know, like there would just be, it was, it was mayhem. It was utter, utter mayhem. And like, thank God for the internet. Uh, I believe it was, it was, if not invented, it was certainly furthered greatly by fantasy's need for it so like you're welcome internet like <laughs> you're as big as you are because of us there you go yeah i remember I remember drafting just as a like we had fred taylor me and this guy we shared a team fred taylor his rookie year we were like we got to get this rookie fred taylor he's gonna be big like i don't know if you remember fred taylor he had like a 12-year career and has been retired for like 15 years now like yeah, jacksonville Jaguars. Like yeah. a guy i remember having that's great when i started the internet was was there but the apps weren't really there like smartphones one of the things so i remember being in school um i won't say what grade but it would we we had a computer like it was a computer class 
and it was during the wait when the waivers would run. So I would right. hop on real quick and pick up everyone else <laughs> that I wanted for free that, that, that didn't go on waivers. And I had to make sure I, I did that. So the league didn't like that. I had that advantage because they were at work. Mind you, I'm playing with like with adults, like dads in the neighborhood. And I'm like, I, right. I was like, I'm sorry that you're letting a 15, year old kid. kid. <laughs> That's hilarious. And also very sort of fantasy. Like no one cares. It's you're just an opponent. It doesn't matter your gender, your age, your species, even like, you know, you could have been a Pekingese. If you were like dominating, they'd be like, this, this guy. <laughs> yeah. So that was, that's great. Now, did you play any other fantasy sports or just football? I've never really been like, I, to me, like, I like, I'll watch playoff basketball and I like, I had, I'm from Chicago originally. So I had a big interest, not surprisingly in the NBA, like in the nineties, um, like in regard to like being interested in the regular season and following it and like, uh, but that sort of waned. And I really, I never had, again, those other like fantasy leagues, basketball and baseball are just set up to be, they're just so all encompassing and it goes on so long and there's no head to head. It's just accumulating, you know, points and stats. And I just have never had the sort of baseline, like love for those games that would that would carry me through to like want to participate in fantasy. So I've really only ever been a fantasy football guy. Yeah, I understand that. I tried basketball last year. It was fine. I mean, it was cool. Like I watch a lot of sports, not just football, but right. I don't know. There's something about like the the schedule of fantasy football. Like it's very like I know when waivers are going to run. I know when the games are. Right. I know when practice reports are coming out. I know when injuries have to come out by. It emulates the game itself much more so than the other ones because again it's the head-to-head every week every Sunday you're playing just Mm -hmm. like they are you know so I think it's just a and it's just got there's just way more I I think and again probably I'll catch some hell from baseball and basketball guys but there's way more intensity uh, of love for football I think and and your team it's like I liken it to like how uh, uh international Europeans, South Americans feel about soccer. Like, uh, you know, it's like that level of like zeal that I think is, is, and again, there are giant, super diehard baseball and basketball fans, but I think across the board, there's, there's more of that uh, in your, in football. Yeah. I think the money would tell us that fantasy football is probably the most popular fantasy sport between betting and then just I'm 100% sure that that's right. I mean, there's no doubt. And now, so you're an actor, you've been a writer. Would you say that any of those skills correlate at all to playing fantasy football or (laughs) is it just completely separate? I mean, it's definitely a a stretch, but I did, I mean, I did think about it when I saw the question and I guess, I guess you could say that like writing uh, in particular, comedy writing, there's it's actually there's a lot of science to it. There's a lot of like formulas and there's a lot of sort of like, you know, like t- tried and true tested, like statistical data, if you will, that you can apply to comedy. Like the rule of three, like jokes tend to happen in threes, like a joke, a joke. And then the topper is generally how it works. Uh, a joke on a joke is something like formulaic that you would you shouldn't do if you've made a joke and you try and make a joke off of the joke it doesn't really translate because most jokes need to be like come from a serious place of you know and then that's where the funny happens so like there's just little things like that that would sort of lend itself to be like like the 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 uh 
analytics type guys, like that sort of thing. And then acting for me, while there are like, you know, strict method type people that are like, I only do this to, for me, it's always been like a whatever works for you. You know, if you, whatever you do that makes you portray like realistically characters and people on screen or on the stage, you should do that. Don't worry about Meisner or, you know, any of the other Stanislavski, any of the other methods, just do what is working for you. Like, and I think that that sort of represents the sort of the like gut feeling type guys in terms of fantasy. And I feel like I personally am a, like a mix of both. Like I definitely respect stats and the analytics Although I do feel like the the analytics and stats are amazing at telling you what has happened. But what we're all trying to do is guess what's going to happen. And no one, no one has a crystal ball. Like the people, you know, who loves people that, uh, that say like, oh, I've got a system. I've got this. I've got the stats. I can predict future outcomes. You know, who loves people like that? Bookies, you know, because they're, they don't want to help you get rich. They want to help them get rich. So if you think you have a system based on the numbers. I mean, and again, I, I will absolutely acknowledge that there's an advantage there, you know, definitely. And the more you know, the better off you'll be. But I mean, I believe in looking at that stuff. And then I try and think about like, what's the team, what's the team as a whole going to do? What about the eyes test on this guy? Like, what do I see when I watch this guy play football? Like, you know, uh, you know, that, t- what, what has he done? as as a as a as a sort of a, a precursor to what he could or or may do you know like that's why i get stuck sometimes on guys who uh, and i know i've gotten right into fantasy and i know this wasn't what this was before but i get stuck oh, i have a blind spot for guys who haven't done something and then suddenly do like cooper cup has been very good but like i had no way was i thinking he was going to be anything other than what he has been sort of like top 12, you know, somewhere between wide receiver 12 and wide receiver 25. So like, you know, I didn't see that like, and kudos to the, all the guys that did, but like, that's my blind spot for sure is, uh, is guys that come out of nowhere and do something that no, nothing in their history statistically has indicated that they were going to do or even capable of, of doing anyway. So yeah, there's definitely some correlations between writing and acting and, uh, and fantasy football. No, I think that's great. And like you're talking about, it, it's hard to predict. I mean, it's the name of the game. We're all guessing. And those level jumpers that you're talking about, I mean, you can throw out all the all the takes you want. Uh, you might get some of them right. You're going to get plenty of them wrong. Right. So, um, you can and like, like you with your gut. Yeah. It's like, it's just also like, I would say just as a, like, just be mindful of how you express yourself. Like, I'm always willing, if a guy, like, if there's an acknowledgement, like a tacit acknowledgement or like a subtextual acknowledgement that, look, hey, this is a guess like anything else, but like these numbers that I'm looking at indicate this. But if you're like, this is going to happen. And if you don't think that, then, you know, you don't, you're not, you're not doing it right. It's like, it's like, you don't, you don't know. You just don't know. So, you know, again, I, I, I think it's a great community and most, most guys are like really amazing and uh, I'm happy to be part of it. That's awesome. No, I agree with you there. And you've been able to travel all over the world. So do you have a favorite place that you've, you've visited so far? Uh, I mean, I've, I've worked a lot in a lot of places. Like I've somehow managed to spend like almost a month in Paris, like on, you know, some other someone else's dime, which was great. 
Um, uh, I really enjoyed Budapest and Prague and like that sort of part of Europe. Uh, in terms of places I haven't been yet, I, I've, n I've not been anywhere in Asia and I would love to go to Japan for sure. China as well. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's, I definitely would recommend travel in, in terms of like broadening one's horizons on every level, like mentally and spiritually and all that. I find it to be, you know, one of the, one of the great pursuits in life is if you have, you know, a disposable income of any amount, like think about like giving yourself uh, an adventure in regard to going somewhere like fantastically new and different. Uh, that's great. Now, I guess when you're looking at scripts or different work that you're deciding to do, it does location play at all or like, Oh, I, like that's, that's a really cool location. Like sign me up or I don't really want to go there. <laughs> I mean, uh, it, uh, I'm not, I'm not quite like at the level where it's like, look, I'm going to go, I'm a hired gun. And like, if they, if I audition, that means I'm I'm down to go like wherever, even if it's, you know, if it's not, you know, I don't get to pick and choose like, you know, like like Pitt or Clooney or anything. But uh, yeah, I mean, sometimes like I just read for something that shoots in Budapest and I was like, oh, that would be amazing. Like, you know, I don't know. You know, I'm just a guy like eight or ten other guys that they're looking at for that part. So like, you know, but uh, yeah, it's uh it's uh, it, it's something I wish I could sort of pick and choose, but it doesn't really work out that way for me. And I, I haven't I haven't gotten to travel to as many places as I'd like. So you know, anyone out there who's like casting something, you know, in Tahiti or uh, you know, even Vancouver, you know, I'll go, I'll go, I'll go where the job is for sure. Uh, that sounds great. No, I, I, never, I guess I never really think about it. Uh, depending on how long the shoot is, like you could be somewhere for a long time or a short amount of time. And so it's definitely something to think about as you're. Yeah. It's true. Generally for TV, you're likely to be there a pretty short time, a week or so. Mm -hmm. But if you manage to end up on a movie, that's like, you know, that's, you could end up, yeah, two, three months traveling. Um, so, or like somewhere completely, my friend was in this movie, uh, old friend of mine was in this movie, white squall a million years ago. It's like about sailing. And like he went everywhere. They were in like South Africa and they were in like Australia and they were and it was just like month. And he was like, and it's like an ensemble film. So he might have five or six lines through the whole two hour movie, but he's still there three months. You know what I mean? When you're it's like the movie is set on a boat and like so all everyone needs to be there every day. Like even if you're just a guy who's in like written into two scenes and then maybe just basically in the background for most of it. Like you are still there. You're still getting your per diem. You're still getting your weekly. So like, yeah, there's a lot of, uh, you can really luck into like a, an amazing job. Like I'm sure there are guys who are in the Hobbit in the, in the Peter Jackson movies that got to spend like two years in New Zealand that are like, you wouldn't even know, you know, like one of the like orcs, you know, one of the, like the bald orc with the pointy ears who like was there, you know, and sort of in the background and like, you know, but he didn't, he's not super memorable, but nevertheless, he made like a million dollars literally on and got to live in New Zealand for two years. So, you know, that's, uh, that's our life. Or you sit on your ass, uh, at, you know, and do nothing but like hang out on fantasy Twitter for two years. Like it can be, it's a real either or scenario. It can be, uh, rougher. It can be amazing. So uh, I guess to bring it back to fantasy football, it's kind of like the uh, lottery ticket running backs you draft near the end yeah. where you're hoping that there's an injury ahead of you and 
you looked in, you got the lottery ticket. And again, I never do that. Like, well, I'll try and like, since I think feel like since Adrian Peterson, he was the one where it was like, wow, you can, you, you, we should grab all these rookie running backs. You just never freaking know. And like that guy was just so dominant. And then like, I remember the era of like, like for the first at least 15, 20 years, like Randy Moss sort of broke the mold for rookie wide receivers because before him, it was like, why would you draft a rookie wide receiver in redraft? Like they they never do anything. It takes too long to learn the curve. The team doesn't trust them. They're not going to see any targets. It's like, and that was true. That was generally true. Like you couldn't, a rookie had never had like a wow, like year like that. And then Moss came along and then it's, you're like, you know what? We should grab these rookies. Cause you never, you know, the next Randy Moss could be out there. So I usually, yeah. And for a while, that was still the sort of alt theory. You know what I mean? People were still grabbing these guys like journeymen or like, you know, somewhere in the wide receiver 30 to wide receiver 50. I'm like, I'll take a shot on these rookies. Like no one's grabbing, you know, but now everyone's wised up thanks to fantasy Twitter and like all the incredible analysis. Everyone knows to get all the rookies. So there's, it's not like a secret field day you can have anymore. Um, so I, I rue that. I, I regret that, that that's come to pass. Everyone's smart now, thanks to the internet. When it was the USA Today on Tuesdays, it was only like nuts, diehards <laughs> like me, like that would have that edge of like, oh, I've actually found something that no one else knows. Now everyone knows it because, you know, Jamie Eisenberg or Matthew Berry tells them. And it was like, oh, fuck. like, <laughs> thanks. Thanks for telling all the other nine guys in my league. Now, now everyone knows. Everyone's gonna. Everyone's crazy for Brees Hall. Like, great. Now I will not get Brees Hall for sure, and he'll probably have an amazing year. Very true. Very true. <laughs> all right. I love talking about fantasy. I know you didn't want to, but like, I have to. I have to. No, just- it's all good. No, I'm enjoying this. And now you've been in the entertainment industry for years as an actor and as a writer. So part of that industry is facing a lot of rejection. Like you said, you don't get every single part you try out for, and there can be a lot of rejection trying to make it in the fantasy industry as well. So do you have any advice for handling rejection and, and not giving up? I mean, I would just say that like in any field where like there's going to be a lot of sort of discouraging, you know, a lot of people saying no. I mean, you just got it. You've got to stay at it and you've got to be your own biggest fan. you got to be your own biggest sort of source uh, for like confidence boosting because there'll be plenty of times when no one else No one else is out there like telling you, yeah, man, keep at it. Like, don't be discouraged. And then also in terms of like specifics, just make sure like, you know, if you're like you're going, if you're trying to sell fantasy content or sell yourself, like know your audience. No, like if I go in to read for like, you know, the next Batman movie with like a sitcom, like really broad, like comedy, like sort of like take there that's going to be a solid no like you know but if i go in the next week and read for like curb your enthusiasm like that same that energy is appropriate like if you're going if you're like looking to like hook on with a site that's like they want data crunching they want like serious sort of numbers don't like show them a super jokey article you wrote about tight ends like show them the right thing and that's just gonna like you know that's just going to cut down on the potential rejection. Like if you are smart about it and you like, you, you understand it's the same. It's like sales. It's like, a, like know who you're selling to know your customer, like, you know, and that's just definitely, I would imagine it would be important if you're trying to hook on 
and, and like get your content seen like on a site or, you know, just know, know what you're, who you're, where you're at. That's great advice. I appreciate it. And that was the last of I will call the serious questions. I have some rapid fire questions. If you're game, let's do it. Cool. So you can, it's going to be a one word answer if you want, or you can add as, as much uh, context to the answers as you'd like. As you can so, tell, I'm, I'm, I'll probably add some context. Um, <laughs> no worries. So you were dopey on the dark Knight. So who is your favorite Batman villain? I mean, it's gotta be Joker. Like he's, I'm a traditionalist, I guess he's the most, he's the most well-conceived and like deepest and like, he's got the pedigree in terms of in the movies like Nicholson and Ledger and then Joaquin Phoenix winning the Oscar. Like it's just the most fully realized uh, of the, of the villains. Although I will say I just started watching uh, the new one and the two villains in that one, I don't want to spoil anything. I think as actually a startlingly like chilling take on one of them. And I don't know if you've seen the movie, but you know who I'm talking about. It's like, wow. Cause that one was a character in the sixties TV show. And it was like cornball city. It was like so hokey, but like the, this take in the Batman, you're like, wow, that is disturbing. That is, <laughs> I haven't seen, I've only seen them halfway through, but like, so I've got respect for that, but it's gotta be the Joker. Fair enough. And uh, a little sidebar. I can't imagine how fun that was to, to be on set for that. That was an amazing, crazy that was an amazing, uh, an amazing couple weeks for sure. Yeah, that's uh, awesome. even though I'm the first, literally the first person killed in the movie. <laughs> I'm the I get I disarm the uh, the burglar alarm up on the roof, and then I get shot in the back. <laughs> Got a few lines in though, so like, and again, that's like a, a just such a iconic like credit to have. So I was yeah. very happy to be in that film for sure. And it's a, it's an amazing opening scene to I mean any movie, but especially a, a superhero movie. Yeah, where, like, really. What good. a cool opening scene. Yeah, we could do a whole show on like that whole experience. Like they didn't, you didn't, you know, like you didn't really know what you were auditioning for. And like they didn't, you know, because my character wears a mask the whole time, but that wasn't the audition material. So like it's a tiny bit disappointing to discover that you're not, you, you know, you, you, I still have dialogue. I still have lines, but no one ever sees my face. But like, yeah, that was there's a lot that went on with that. That was amazing. Like Heath Ledger was really, really it was amazing watching him work and then like the person he was he was like like a lot of these giant stars like in super talented people i find are a very introverted very sort of quiet and like like inner like turned and uh yeah it was just a great experience oh that's awesome uh so my next one's gonna be a little a little more funnier um what two animals would you like to switch the sounds that they make Uh, uh, let me see, I guess like a silverback gorilla and a kitten. I just think that would be a blast. <laughs> that kitten would be so intimidating <laughs> and that gorilla would not be intimidating anymore. Most terrifying, like physical, like animal I could. And then pit with the cutest, like littlest <laughs> sound. So also it would be like a kitten that sound that sounded like a silverback gorilla would be, would be interesting too. Yeah, no, that's hilarious. I like that one. Uh, <laughs> so you had a two-line role on an episode of CSI, and your role was Man with Potatoes. So what role had your favorite name? I don't – I see, I, I looked – I don't remember that. I mean, I remember being on CSI, and I remember it had been – I had, like, taken, like, a hiatus sort of from the business, so I hadn't worked in a couple years, and I was looking to sort of claw my way back, and I went and read for this very small part. 
Um, and it was like, I was supposed to be like the announcer at like a, uh, like a, uh, what's the word? Like a black market, not a black market, but like a, a drag or dune buggy race or something. And I was doing the commentary. I don't remember that they called me man with potatoes, but that's hilarious. What was the question though? Again, uh, what was your favorite, I guess, character role name that you've had? I mean, man with potatoes has got to be way up there. That's pretty good. And maybe that wasn't the official name, but you were in an interview with, uh, with Mayim, uh, your, your co-star from uh, blossom. And that's when you mentioned it. So did I say that I played man with potatoes? Yeah. <laughs> I think that used to, when I was in theater school in college, like we, that was a joke. Like when you were in the play, like a big play that had like, like street scene or like Oklahoma and you were in the chorus yeah, it just, it just and a generic. You were man with potatoes, like, cause you didn't have a real part. It's like when you're in second grade and you play a tree in something cause they ran out <laughs> of real parts to give. Um, but yeah, uh, uh, I, I played a character dealer, Dave in justified. I thought that it was a really fun character and a really fun part. And, uh, that was a funny name dealer, Dave. He was a drug dealer. It turned out. So, yeah, no, no surprise there. Um, I guess that would probably be it. Dealer Dave. Awesome. I've had a lot now of really like, of course. That was fun. <laughs> cool. Awesome. And now if you could spend a day and hang out with any athlete dead or alive, who would you want it to be? No, I don't. That's crazy. That's uh, I, don't, I mean, I guess someone historically important like Jesse Owens or Jackie Robinson, like uh, come to mind. Uh, I've always been a big fan of boxing, maybe like Jack Dempsey or some like really old timey guy, like from that era and that like Sugar Ray Robinson, like that would be interesting. Like, uh, I don't know. That's a really crazy, good question. What do, awesome. what do people usually say? Have you asked that before? Normally I ask celebrity, but I, I felt like since you were coming from, from the up. other side, I was like, oh, let's go with athletes since, since you're not in the sports world. Right. I don't know. That's kind of, I mean... Yeah. I mean, I guess to spend a day to hang out with, like, who would I, like, I would love to have, like be in the dugout and watch like Billy Martin have like one of his tantrums or like, I don't know. That's a good one. Like, yeah, I'm going to stick with like Robinson or Owens, like just awesome. like imagine I'd be fascinated by their lives. No, that's, I, I like that going old school. And then <laughs> do you have a favorite type of fantasy football league, like setting like dynasty redraft any kind of scoring uh two qb i play in two uh i play in three home leagues only and two of them are two qb and i mean i guess that would be superflex is pretty much the same thing i've never played in a superflex league but i would and i would definitely take the approach that i would want that that superflex spot to be a qb like i mean um uh redraft and auc- I, i'm in an auction keeper league which i really like I've never done a dynasty league. Um, uh, I, I feel like I would. I'd give it a shot. It just seems like what I get from Twitter is like uh, some people are just like the whole fun for them is just rebuilding for some like future date far in the future. I'm like, well, don't you? Or it's like I'll see a trade and it's like, oh, I traded the did this, this and this for like a bunch of draft picks. And I always I end up thinking like, well, couldn't you maybe have won though with those guys? Like why? Like that sounds like a team that could have won at all. Like why would you like you're everyone seems like they're in such a hurry to unload the present for this, for the future. So, I mean, I, I, I like to keep league. We keep four guys, which definitely is a core, but it's not like you're still, you still play to win every year. Like, so I don't know. 
But yeah, I like uh, half point PPR. Generally, I prefer to none or full. Um, I like snake draft. It's old school. It's fun. I like auction a lot. I, two of the leagues I'm in are auction leagues, and I like that a little better, I think, just because you can uh, you can really pick. You know, I, I'm a believer in terms of auction for any auction guys out there. Like you gotta <clears throat> you gotta pick the blue chip guys. Just pick two or three and resolve to get them no matter what because i guarantee you if you set a budget you're gonna end up with a whole team of like mid-tier guys you won't get any of those blue chip guys because your budget you'll always be thinking "Ah, i gotta get them like this at this super cheap and it just won't happen like decide you want a guy like i was lucky enough to decide i wanted jonathan taylor like last year and i got him and like that was that was pretty key to winning the whole thing like so you just got to that's that's I mean, some guys disagree. They're like, no, you got to set budgets and you got to have like a range and then like be like fluid. Like, yes, be fluid. But you, you, if you want a couple blue chip guys on your team, you got to just decide, you know, and commit. No, that makes sense to me. That was my last question I had for you. I appreciate your time. Uh, can you tell everyone where where they can find you and maybe anything you, you got going on? I mean, Absolutely. And thank you, Zach. This was a. a this was a lot of fun. Uh, I'm at at Mike Stoyanov on Twitter. And I think the same on Insta, uh, no space, no underscore, anything like that. Uh, yeah. Follow. Don't I'll see you out there on fantasy Twitter. Like we'll argue. We'll, you know, we'll discuss stuff like let's do it. But yeah. At Mike Stoyanov. I appreciate your time. Thank Thank you very much. So this is triple play fantasy. Make sure you go ahead, like subscribe, whether you're on podcast, you're on. I like it. (laughs) Subscribe people. Appreciate it. And then, uh, like I said, go ahead and make sure you follow the rest of our content. We have football content, but we also have basketball, baseball, all of it here with Triple Play Fantasy. So thanks again for tuning in. Have a great day, guys.